God, we pray that this would be a time when, when you would speak and a time when we would listen. Lord, I pray that this would be a time with more of you and less of me. Spirit, we give you the next few minutes and ask that you would reach into us and change us. So we have a lot of uh, students returning to college and a lot of people who are uh, maybe new at college. And there's some things that I want to talk about at the beginning that, that might be news to you and that you may not have heard before, but you need to know because uh, it's going to have an impact on the next few years of your life. Cafeteria food will not satisfy you. <laughs> it's true. My friends and I went to college and we would eat supper, you know, six or whenever we were done with class. And, and to be honest, we frequently would stay up until two or three every night. And, and you get hungry again because cafeteria food, it, they mass produce it so that it, it will feed hundreds or in some cases thousands of people. And it's just not enough to hold you over. So what we went looking for usually at midnight was, was food that was, was hot, and, and that there was a lot of it, and that it was cheap. And there's, there's a pizza place that kind of thrives on that in, in settings like university towns, college towns, and it's called Home Team Pizza. And Home Team Pizza had a 20-inch pizza that they would make and bring to you for $9. And I'm just going to put that in perspective. A medium is about yay big. Large is about yay big. Jumbo at Godfather's? 18 inches, it's, it's about this big. This pizza was this big. And for $9, they would make that and they would bring it out to the dorm. So you could get three of your friends and you could each chip in $250 and be generous with a tip and everything, which they don't expect from college students. I'm letting you know that too. Delivery people do not expect a tip from you. Sorry, delivery people. It's, it's just true. And, and so you'd get this giant pizza and you'd turn it sideways and bring it into the room and you'd set it down on the floor and the reason why it was only $9 is because the, the crust was thin and it, it wasn't good. But it was big and it was hot and it was cheap. So the crust was thin and it was just soaked in grease. If you have a pizza with a thin crust soaked in grease that's 20 inches across, imagine what happens when you cut it into the normal wedges. You know, a wedge-shaped pizza and you try and lift it up and, and eat that. It doesn't work, it flops right over. So what they would do was they would cut the pizza into squares. The problem is that I, you know, they weren't really consistent with how many squares you got. So there's always a different number of squares and the four of us would be sitting around the pizza and you start out eating you know, slowly at first and you eat your piece and, and you eat the next and you know, another one and pretty soon you start doing pizza math and we all become really good at that. You start counting how many pieces are left, and you divide by how many of you there are eating it. There are 17 pieces left. Okay, but there's four of us. So that means there's, there's going to be one extra. And what do you think you do in that case? You want the one extra, right? You need that last piece of pizza, or you're going to go to bed with your stomach rumbling. And that has nothing to do with the fact that you just ate a quarter of this greasy, large, hot pizza. It's that you're still hungry if you don't get the last piece, and so you eat faster but your friends are doing the same thing, and they eat faster. And the further you go into the pizza, the faster and faster you eat. 
Has anyone else been there? <laughs> Just me? Good. Everyone else gives of themselves and let everyone else take the last piece of pizza. <laughs> let someone else have the last cookie in the bag. That's the kind of crowd. I, okay, I need the last cookie in the bag. I want that last piece of pizza. And I don't think that I'm the only one here that's like that. Because we operate from a, a perspective of things are running out. You know, the, the, there's a limited, quanti limited quantity of this pizza, and I need to make sure that, that, that I get that last piece. I need to have the last cookie in the bag. And all of a sudden, those things become really important to me. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's true. You should laugh at that. It's sad. Um, in our passage today, and if you have a Bible, I, I invite you to open it up to 1 Kings 17. If you don't, we have some in back. We have it up here on the front so that you can follow along. In our passage today, uh, we read about a widow. And for her, the situation was different than for me with pizza. But this is, this is how I identify with her. And that I was looking at the food and it was running out. And I had to decide what I was going to do with that. For her, she's in a place where, where this is the last food she has. And she needs to decide what to do when, when everything she has is, is running out. Uh, we're going to start at verse 7 and we'll go through 16. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and, and that's to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a, a handful of flour and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. If we look at the widow's life when Elijah shows up at the city gate, we see a person who's, who's just about hopeless. You know, I... I put this in terms of food because that's, that's where I notice this sometimes in my life. That's what the story talks about. But I doubt very much that, that any of us have been in the situation where she is. You know, even sometimes some of us have been in a place where, you know, you're waiting for that next paycheck so you can go and get groceries. But you have that hope in sight. You know, if I can just make it to the end of the month, the next paycheck comes and, and I, can, I can get some more groceries. Or we have, you know, we have 
food banks, we have soup kitchens, we have friends who would be available to help us out if, if, we, were, if we were in this kind of shape. For the woman to be at this point, my guess is, my guess is that she has done everything she can. She has traded or sold everything she has to get as much food as she can, and, and she has no other way anymore of getting food. This is it. The last little bit of, of anything to keep her alive, to keep her son alive, is a handful of flour and, and just enough oil to turn it into bread. That's the situation when he shows up and he says, well, can I have a little water? And she goes and she's going to get the water and almost as an afterthought, as, as, he's, as she's walking away, oh, and by the way, can I have some bread? What would that do to you? Now, this is the last thing that's going to keep her and her son alive for just a few days longer. The only thing that she has hope in anymore is that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil. And that's, that's pretty much it for her. And that's what he asks for. Now, we may not be able to identify with the woman right away about being to that point with our food. But I think we all have things in our lives that, that when we stop and we think and, and when we look at our lives and we, we think about how we act and the decisions we make, we live from the same mindset she does. We live from a mindset of, of scarcity. We live from a mindset of, of things that are limited and things that are running out. I've only got just so much time have you ever had a week like that where it seems like every minute of the day is already filled? You know, as school's starting for families, for students, you know, the weeks start to feel, feel like that again, right? You have no free time left. And maybe you've been able to carve out like a half hour at some point, and you've got this little bit of time when you can go and just sit and not do anything, or, or you can just go and, and spend time with your friends, with your family, and then someone comes up as you're about to go into that half hour, and they say, hey, do, do you have a minute? That's what happens to the woman here. You've got just a little bit left. You've carved it out for yourself. You've carved it out for the people you care about, and someone comes and they, they ask that of you. We have that with our time, right? Because we, we think about our time as something that's running out. We think about our time as, as something that we only have just so much of. And we need to protect some for ourselves. We need to protect some for the people we care about. And so when someone asks that time of us, we think what the widow thought. You know, we think, oh, but I've just, got, I've just got this, you know, for me, for my family. We think about that with money. We think about that with, you know, patience. Sometimes you've made it through the day and it's been a hard day and you haven't snapped yet and you're kind of proud of that fact and, and you think if I can just make it home, if nothing else happens, I'm going to be all right. I can sit down and I can decompress and I can make it through this day and wake up and start again tomorrow, but I have no more patience left. And then someone comes and they start pushing a couple of those buttons and you just think, I, I, I just what they're doing is minor, but it, it's enough to set you off. It's enough to take that last little bit of patience that you have. 
we think about that sometimes with courage. You know, I've, I'm only brave enough to go just so far. That's, that's as far as this can carry me. We, we think about it with all kinds of different things. We, we think about ourselves from a perspective of scarcity. That what we have is limited. That what we have is running out. And we have to protect it for ourselves. We have to protect it for the people that we care about. And that's, that's the same thing the widow had. It's not wrong for her to want to feed herself and her son. You know, sometimes we, we read the story and, and you hear that and you think, how selfish of her. Like, this is her last food. That's not selfish. This is, this is it. This is all she has. But she's thinking about things wrong. She's thinking about things from a perspective of scarcity. And I love what Elijah says to her. And as he says this to her, I want you to hear this for you. Hear this for all those things in your life that you feel like they're running out and you don't have enough. When she explains the situation, he says, don't be afraid, because that's what we are, right? I'm afraid that I'm not going to get the last piece of pizza and I'm going to go hungry. I'm afraid that I don't have that little bit of time. I'm afraid that I don't have enough patience, that I don't have enough of whatever it is someone's asking of me. I'm afraid that we're going to get to the end and there's there's not going to be something left over for me. Don't be afraid, Elijah tells her. And that's easy to say. It's hard to do. But don't be afraid in those moments when someone comes and they, they ask that of you. He says, go home and do what you've said. Because what she is planning on doing, feeding herself, feeding her son, those are good things. God cares about this widow and he cares about her son. God cares about your time. God cares about your money. He cares about your patience. He cares that you have enough to provide for other people. Because those are not bad things. But Elijah goes on and he says, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. And then he tells her that it's not about a mindset of scarcity. It's not that you're going to make this and you're going to listen to God and do what God said and things are going to run out. He says when when you listen to God, when you give this over to God, you shift from a perspective of of running out, of limited supply, to a perspective of abundance. You know, all of a sudden, it's not the little things that I can see that I'm holding on to. It's everything that God has. And all of a sudden, it's not just what I what I can do to protect for myself, it's that God cares about you. That for the widow, God is going to feed you. God is going to feed your son. I believe that Elijah went to the widow so that she could take care of him. I believe that that's true, and we see that in this story. That God sent him there so that this widow could could feed him and care for him through the famine. And God sends the people into your life that ask that, that last minute of your time, that last dollar in your pocket, that last, that last French fry in your Happy Meal. He sends them to you because he, he wants you to share with them because, because this is something that they need. The food was something Elijah needed, but too often that's what we focus on. We focus on that and instead... I want us for a minute to think about what would have happened to the widow had Elijah not showed up in her city. 
if Elijah hadn't come to the city gate and, and said, can I have some water and, and please just a little bit of bread? She would have finished gathering her sticks. She would have gone home and, and made a tiny little fire and she would have baked her last meal. And the chances are good that she and her son would not have lived through the week. God sent Elijah to her, not just for Elijah to be fed. God sent Elijah to her because he had something in store for her and her son as well, because God wanted to care for her as well. Sometimes I think God sends us people who ask that last little bit of us because God wants to provide for us, because God wants to show us that, that the patience we have on our own is never going to be enough. But instead, if we rely on him, that, that he takes care of that, that he can give us more than we could ever possibly give away, that he will give us more than he could ever possibly ask of us to give back. That little bit of time that I'm afraid to give, I mean, really, that's, that's me not trusting the God of eternity to give me time for rest when we know that that's what he intends for us, that he's not giving me time for my family when I know that that's the plan he has. You know, when God asks our talents of us, when God asks these things that we just want to hang on to or we just want to use for ourselves, we're thinking about it from a perspective of scarcity. We're thinking about it from a perspective of, of we're running out and we need, to, we need to hold on to everything that we can to take care of ourselves. Instead, God says, I have more in store for you. Give that to me. Give that, give that to Elijah. Give that to the person who comes up and asks it of you and see how much more in store I have to pour out on you so that you can continue to take care of them and you can continue to be fed yourself. Don't think about the world from a perspective of, of resources that are running out. Think about the world from the perspective of a God who made the entire world and has everything in it at his disposal. Think about your time from a perspective of a God who holds eternity in his hand and has that in store for you. Now think about your patience from a God who continues to put up with us time after time after time. Think about your food from the perspective of, of this widow who had one meal left and chose to give that over to God and give that over to Elijah. This week, when something comes up, and it, it seems like it's just too much for you, you know, that, that they're asking just, just that last little bit of what you have, I want you to stop, and I want you to think about it from a perspective of God who holds everything in his hand. Think about it from a perspective of of God who, who will give to you more than he could ever possibly ask, who cares for you, who wants to feed you. Let's pray. God, we confess that, that too often too often our views are limited. Too often we think about things from just what we can see, just what we can take care of ourselves, just what we can uh, hold on to and grasp. 
Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes this week. We ask that you would open our eyes to see uh, how much you have in store for us and that, that that vision of your abundance, that vision of your provision would, would help us to be so generous with others, to be so generous with the things that you give us because we know that no matter how much love we pass out to others, that you have so much more in store for us. God, we pray that, that in giving to others, we would be able to see just how much you care for us, just how much you uh, love those people and just how much you love us. God, I pray that you would give us a mindset of abundance and that you would uh, help that to overwhelm us and that it would shape how we act toward others and how we respond toward other people. We pray this in your name. Amen.